Well, welcome everybody to another installment of Theology Jam. I'm John Korkadakis, and of course, here with Matthew Burkholder. Um, hey, you know, Matthew, before we get started, when can we officially be calling you Dr. Oh, yeah. Uh, as soon as I write my thesis, oh. I'm, I've been working on it, and I'm hoping that I can be uh, done in the, hopefully by the end, before the summer next year. Before the summer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. that's something that, you know, people can be praying for you about yeah. and, and all that stuff. Yeah. In, 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 my, in my mind, you're already doctor, <laughs> you, you know? Um, yeah. If, if, I'm a, if I'm playing baseball, I'm rounding third, getting close to home. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the balls in the outfields. Yeah, you've got I'm, a good chance. I've of, got a good chance of getting there, and no um, sliding in. And, you know, it's the first time where I've had to like set my own deadlines, oh. and uh, I'm realizing a lot about myself as a person. Um, and yeah, so I'll just I'll leave it there. So well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, this is a great way to to start the second season of this podcast. Yeah. I want to thank. Those of you who continue to be faithful and listen to us on, on the different topics that we are getting involved in. And, uh, you know, again, uh, I want to say if there's anything that you want us to tackle from a topic, uh, any, any comments, anything of any sort related to this podcast, we would love to hear from you. You can reach us at theologyjam at gmail.com, and uh, we would love to hear from you. So hopefully season one was uh, a great encouragement to you, and we're diving into season two. Yeah. Now, the, the topic today is, um, you know, I brought this up, Matthew and I have been talking about this just a little bit beforehand, but um, as a pastor of a church, um, and I think some of you have heard this before, but I, I plan my calendar a year in advance, my preaching calendar, and I'm doing a series in January on the book of Revelation. So I'm, I'm in the throes right now of reading all this stuff on Revelation. Now, when I was uh, just getting into ministry almost 30 years ago, I interned with a pastor who refused to do any messages in the book of Revelation. And at the time, I thought, oh, this is, that, that's that's crazy. Why wouldn't you, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, no, um, there's just too much crazy stuff out there. There's just too much uh, misconceptions, mm. just too much stuff that people buy into. And I'm just not wanting to get into that narrative at all. And frankly, um, I'm starting to wonder if I'm, what did I get myself into? Like I'm reading all this stuff but seeing all this, I don't know what to call it, mm. on the book of Revelation. And I want to talk about that today. Like, yeah. what about end times? What about the book of Revelation and prophecy? And how do we navigate that today? Because if it comes to end time stuff, there is so much out there. Right. And quite frankly, what I'm reading from you know, very thoughtful scholars is that a majority of what we're seeing out there in, in the popular space right. is really not from the book of Revelation. Yeah, and I think you've, you've, you sort of, you know, uh, not to cast any sort of like shade on that pastor, because I can totally appreciate that, but it is something that is talked about constantly. Yeah. And it's probably something as pastors we should be talking about. 
right? It, it's, it, I mean, people are talking about it. People are reading it. And if there is misconceptions, if there's a lot of confusion about it, I mean, it's in our Bibles, right? So it's in our Bibles for a reason. It's, it's there for us to read and to hopefully be encouraged uh, in reading it. So it is something I think we should tackle and talk about and discuss. And uh, I think it's too bad that, you know, this book has so much baggage attached to it um, that, that, that does, that, you know, does raise challenges for us, but I think we need, you know, we need to tackle it. We need to talk about it. I'm glad you're doing a series on it. Myself, yeah. So. You know, and, and I know I'm going to stand up there. And I'm going to say, what in the world did I get myself into? <laughs> because, you know, it's just one of those things. I'm, I'm, I'm praying a lot about this series as it comes. And here we are in September. Mm. Uh, and I've got this kind of ungodly anxiety yeah. for January, but, but yeah, we do need to talk about it, and and I think I think there's some misconceptions that I'm not sure we're going to convince everybody of when it comes to the Book of Revelation. But can we just have a civilized conversation about what this book yeah. is is conveying? Um, can I can I start with a definition? Yeah, maybe? yeah, absolutely. Because um, well, for for one thing, back up. I I grew up in an age where they had the end times conferences and they would have the charts and they would mm-hmm. have the dispensations and mm-hmm. the whole thing and the projections of 666 and who the Antichrist was and all this kind of stuff. And I remember in the midst of all that, a really good friend who uh, he jokes is a recovering Catholic would say, what is wrong with you Christians that you're actually celebrating the end of the world and doing it with glee and the destruction of so many people, and you guys are celebrating it like it's the party you're looking forward to. Like, he was really disgusted by all of that. And I remember being, you know, taken aback by that whole posture. It's like, yeah, I don't, he says, I, I, I think you should be grieving that at some point the world's going to come to this. Right. Yeah, there, there's something, there is a bit of a, uh, you know, it's very off-putting when you, if you are seeing someone sort of longing for this, you know, they have a particular understanding of what Revelation is and they're sort of gleefully waiting for these things to happen in, you know, according to how they see Revelation. Yeah, that's, that, that's very off-putting. Right? Yeah. And, and I, 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 I mean, I grew up in a very, uh, Revelation was, was something that was talked about and it was very, you know, it was, there was very strong opinions about it. And I know very, very early I was, I was really turned off by that. Like yeah. there was seemed to be a real um, disconnect between the way I understood creation and God's good creation and the world that he created and loved and this view of the world that I was being sort of uh, exposed to that, you know, it's about destruction, the end, and, you know, there's going to be all this, you know, destruction of the earth. You know, there's that, 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 that really famous, f- famous book, the late... Great uh, Planet yeah, Earth, yeah. Hal Lindsey's. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And it seemed, to, it was really upsetting to me. And I don't know if I've told the story on the podcast before. Have I ever told you the, the guinea pig story on the podcast? I don't know if I've ever told you the guinea pig story. That doesn't ring a bell. Okay. Go. Yeah, yeah. The guinea pig story was, I was, uh, I was at my friend's house. We were young. I don't know. I was probably 10. And, uh, 
he had a guinea pig and he loved this guinea pig and he was filling up his food bowl, like overflowing with food. And he just kept putting food and more food and more food. And I'm, I was like, man, like, what are you doing? Like, why are you feeding this thing? Like, and he was so scared that the rapture was going to happen and his guinea pig was going to be left behind. And so he was like, well, if the rapture happens, I'm going to disappear and, and my guinea pig's going to die. And then I remember thinking, you know, even at 10 years old, like, how horrible this would be for the world if all of a sudden people were being, you know, disappearing and then this destruction oh, was going wow. to happen. And I remember thinking at the age of 10, I was like, I don't, I don't really think I'm, I don't think I'm really buying this. I don't know. I think there's something wrong with this. Now that's a pretty unsophisticated <laughs> view of, of, of revelation based on a 10 year old's experience, but it does speak to something that I think, we don't always realize when we're sort of talking about, uh, you know, the destruction of the world and the rapture and the chaos and like, that's a really, like, that's a really painful, awful imagination, right? To have, to have to think about those things. Wow. We, we have to deal like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I've had people. I've had people call me up at ten thirty at night, yeah, eleven o'clock at night, crying because they're they're so terrified that you know something's going to happen, the rapture's going to happen, they're going to disappear, or the loved ones are going to disappear and they'll be left behind. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you know the chaos that sort of brings to our imaginations. And so I think right away, I just want to, you know. Let's just, let's confront that. Let's accept maybe that that might be a problem. And like your friend is rightfully pointed out, why are we, you know, why are we excited about this if this is what we believe is going to happen in the Can end? we come yeah. back to rapture anxiety? Yeah. Because that's exactly I, I know we, I just pushed going. that right away. I just jumped right yeah, into that. Yeah, I, I, I know. <laughs> but, but we need to unpack that because yeah. there's some serious implications to that. And you right, reminded yeah. me of a story. I think it was about eight or nine. And me, myself and my younger brother, our family used to live in the upper uh, apartment of a house. And below us was another family. They had three kids about our age, but they were Christians. It was my first kind of um, early interaction with Christians. And you would walk into this house and they had all kinds of signs or, you know, verses from the Bible. And the majority were uh, from Proverbs, you know, discipline a child. In fact, they had a a rack of a disciplining child and they had belts Mm -hmm. hanging on this rack. Right. Um, for you know yeah. times of discipline, which used to really disturb me. Okay, this is my first interaction with with Christians, and there were there was a week in particular where it was you know a stormy week, and somehow we ended up in front of their fireplace while the father told about revelation and what was going to happen to the world. Mm. And I remember at eight or nine years old, just like being mortified by what I was hearing. And uh, to this day, my brother, like if anybody knows my brother, I'm, I'm the Christian. He's the anti-Christian. Mm. He, he is everything about faith, religion, God. He is diametrically opposed to anything. And I think that was the trigger for him yeah. was during that time because it, it repulsed him so dramatically 
that it pushed them away from any kind of faith. In fact, to this day, like we're, this is years and years ago. Yeah. To this day, I cannot talk to him about anything concerning God or Jesus, yeah. period. He still shuts me down yeah. and literally tells me where to go. I mean, we cannot underestimate the powerful effect that like uh, religious language can have on somebody. Like we can, we can have an image in our mind, our imagination is sort of sparked and we can carry these things for a really, really long time. Like this yeah. is actually a, um, you know, one of the issues with certain um, religious teachings or religious dialogues, it actually, it actually creates something akin to trauma in someone's life Yeah, that can create a lot of anxiety. And I think it's really, um, the more we sort of learn about um, this uh, sort of aspect of, of faith, it's not just Christianity, it's, I mean, it's not even just religion, um, but we have to be really careful how we talk about things and what we say. Because it, it can be a simple, uh, it might even be an offhand comment or something we say that will stick with somebody their whole life. It might cause them to lash out or, or ignore Christianity. And, the, you know, this, this, isn't, uh, this isn't light stuff, right? Like, that's a very, that, like, that's a traumatic thing that's for, heavy, for yeah. a young person to sort of hear and internalize and... and you know, um, we don't want to do that, right? No. Like, yeah, we don't want that. No. Um, I, I go back to the passage in Peter, or at least First Peter, where, where he says, knowing that the world will end by fire, how then should you live? Mm. And, and whenever it comes to anything eschatological, I think that's the heart of it, that we're told these things in order that it shapes the way we live right here, right now. Yeah. I, I think that's one of the best eschatological summary statements in the entire Bible, to be yeah. honest. I think, yeah, yeah. I think that's, at least that's the way I viewed it. Yeah. Um, you know, I really do want to dive into uh, the whole rapture. Well, maybe we should question. like define this, this, this idea. How, you know, how would you define rapture? Like, and I, I, I need to say out the outset, and this isn't a controversial statement, and, and it, it is for some people, but it really is not from a, from a, like a, a scholar side of things. The way the rapture is currently understood uh, is, is a very recent phenomenon. Very recent Very phenomenon. recent. Yeah, yeah. Um, the way yeah. that Left Behind series, the Hal Lindsey and... And, you know, that whole idea is, is really a, about, you can trace it back to about 1830 yeah. in the history of Christian thought. Yeah. So I need to say that right off the bat. Um, you know, there's, there's always been discussions about eschatology in the church and they have, there's been difference of opinions. But when it comes to this rapture idea, it's a very recent idea. Um, and I guess, I guess very briefly we could define it as... God removing the church from the earth to usher in a seven-year yeah. uh, period of tribulation. Tribulation. Yeah, if that's a pre-tribulational rapture yes, and yes. all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's there's churches that at least my growing up that actually had 
entrenched in their constitution. You couldn't become a member right. if you didn't yes. adhere to pre-tribulational rapture, uh, uh, thousand-year millennial reign, mm-hmm. uh, all all those kinds of things, right? But I'm gonna I'm gonna back up even sure. further, okay? Yeah. Um, because from a theological standpoint, this was a huge aha for me many years ago, right? If you ask people to define what a prophet is, how would you define it? Mm. Because most people, when they think, oh, prophet, this is a guy who foretells the future. But that's not technically what a biblical prophet is, even though that's the part that captures our imagination the most, right? But a true biblical prophet is nothing more than a covenant mediator. You know, a nation of Israel makes a covenant with God, and when they, you know, drift from that covenant and their, their responsibilities and their... Um, moving in a direction that's going to bring about the the cursings of the covenant that God instilled in that covenant, the prophets are raised up to warn the people. If you continue down this path, you're, you know, you're going to bring judgment upon yourself. And the predictive element often was, and by the way, you'll, you'll be taken off into exile. Right. Right? Um, that's the prophetic, you know. If you don't change... Um, I can hear the hoofprints of the invading armies even as we speak, and you can see the dust cloud in the distance. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's kind of like the, the essence of Old Testament prophets, right? right? And we don't, we don't see that in, in our present understanding of, of prophecy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going to the book of Revelation, if we see it because it's a revelation... It's right. a letter and a prophecy. It says all three of those in, yeah. in John as he's writing. Um, so as a prophecy, it is speaking to the reality of the times and what believers had to be reminded of in the midst of it. Who's in control? Right. What does it mean to persevere in your faith? Yeah. What does it mean to... Uh, uh, Worship God alone and not worship the beast and and, and all those kinds of things. But right. we miss that element of the book of Revelation because we think when John was writing it, he was just thinking about the future. Right. Yeah, that, that's a very common way of reading Revelation. Like, yeah. you know, we've... Uh, I've even heard people try to interpret the visions with like helicopters, right? For the oh, flying yeah, yeah. locusts or like yeah. they would, like it's, it's like, th- so, right? So that's what that means. It's a helicopter or yeah. this is, you know, they try and, you know, bring geography into it. This is this location. This is that. So we really are imagining this book as John writing it for us, yeah, right? Like if that's really how what we're supposed to mean, it means that like large portions of this book have meant nothing to anyone in the church until the modern period. Until the modern period, yeah, which yeah. is which goes against every hermeneutical, exegetical right. yeah. principle of right. Bible study. Yeah, and we yeah. do, we do like it's really what's always been fascinating to me. And I know we might get a little technical through this, and so I'll, I'll try and make sure. Um, but yeah, like the grammatical, historical grammatical method of reading the Bible. Yeah. It's like we use that, and that's a shared sort of method of interpretation by a lot of Christians. But then we get to Revelation, and it's like we throw it all out the window. Yeah. 
Yeah. And we just, we don't even, we don't even, like how many, I, I've had so many conversations with people that don't even understand the, the references to the Roman world in Revelation that, you know, the hills, oh, the numbers, the numbers, yeah, the yeah. beasts, the, the, all, the, like the mark of the beast, all of those things have significant historical meaning. Oh, yeah. And people don't even have a clue. They're thinking the mark of the beast is some microchip in their hand and... And they and they and they and that's that's too bad, right? Because that's when the for me that's when the book of Revelation really became alive, yeah. right? Yeah. Is when I started to see all of the, you know, the the references to the the world in which those Christians lived, and then that's how that book became, in my understanding, something meaningful to Christians throughout all time yeah. and all history. Yeah, yeah, and because this is the ultimate. Um, antithesis to the kingdom of God, right. and this is how you live in right. light of that, you know, yeah. uh, competing empire, if you want right. to want to call it that. Yeah, yeah it's just, yeah, it's it, it's just mind-boggling that we can just, you know, use it as this kind of template for future, mm-hmm. but nothing revelatory for the the people who are reading it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and I mean, we we. You know, I think it's I think it's verse two, verse one. This is a revelation of Jesus Christ. Yeah, right. Like we've, you know, this is. I've often said you could probably you know, you can you can do a teaching on Revelation. Like it's 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 something you can do fairly easily. Like it's it's not as complicated as we've tried to make it out as we've unfortunately made it out to be. Yeah, when you focus on this is about Christ. This is a this is an apocalypse, you know, an apocalypse of appealing behind the curtain of, of sort of the the spiritual realm, and to just read it as an encouragement for the church for all time. And yeah, well, you know, historically, the Book of Revelation has led some to, you know, we we talked about misinterpreting. Yeah. But Martin Luther, the great reformer, right. didn't like Revelation because he said it didn't say enough about Jesus in it. Like right. he it like and it's like, my uh, goodness, what book are you? I reading? Know. <laughs> you know. It's it's really it's interesting when you when you start to interpret Revelation as a being about Christ and sort of the victory that Christ has over over evil, over sin, over empire. Um, and and what that means for us as Christians, like it's 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 Christocentric all the way through, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's Christocentric all the way through, and yet Martin Luther yeah. himself was didn't see it, like yeah. just staggering. Yeah, um, you know, you talked about the historical, uh, geographical, you know, elements. There's a second element, like that that gets missed when right. people interpret it the second element that gets missed is just all the rich uh, illust- you know uh, uh, usage of the old testament yeah. yeah like it's staggering how much of the old testament is is brought out in the book of revelation mm-hmm. right um, as a continuance of the prophetic vision that uh, was being conveyed to the people of Israel at that time, and now it's being conveyed to the people of God in the present, you know, with with the coming of the Messiah, what he ushered in, all, all of those kinds of really rich theological mm-hmm. motifs that, that, you know, continue through, and that all gets lost too. You know, I joke all the time, a new heaven and a new earth, 
right? That comes right out of Isaiah, yeah. uh, you know, Revelation 21. And Isaiah used that terminology twice, not just once. Mm-hmm. You know, it's purely borrowed from, yeah. you know. I will be their God, in same, same chapter, I will be their God and they will be my people. Mm-hmm. That's a refrain all through the Old Testament. Like if you were to track that statement through the Old Testament, you're going to find it in almost every, you know, uh, book in one way or another mm-hmm. about the people of God. That's that's the big culmination of the entire book is this, this you know, promise that God has given to the people of God through centuries. Yeah. It's, I think it's the, I think if uh, you might know, cause you're sort of in the midst of it right now, but I, I don't, I think it's the book with the most sort of allusions to the Old Testament in in the entire New Testament. I think I think a, the huge percentage of the book of Revelation is actually just references or allusions or language of the yeah. Old Testament, which you know, that, again, if you're if you're taking this book and you're making it all about looking ahead, you might miss that. Right? Oh yeah. The, yeah, sort of the rich connections to the Bible, yeah. Yeah, so those are two interpretive schemes that that get missed: the historical, geographical, and and the Old Testament allusions. And again, you can get really wild with the Old Testament stuff. And uh, mm. you know, I've heard some really interesting things. But um, I want to I want to get back to the rapture. Yes, thing. I was just going to say let's let's tackle that. Okay, because yeah. there's such a thing as rapture anxiety. Mm-hmm. I remember. Um, this is going back a number of years. I, w- I was delivering something and um, to a Bible study group in one of the rooms at the church. And as I was walking out, the person said to me, oh, we're studying uh, the rapture. He says, what, what can you contribute? And, and without thinking, I said, oh, I don't hold to a rapture. You would have thought that I... Like, if I didn't get out of the room fast enough, I would have been hung oh, no. and quartered. Like, yeah, it was... <laughs> I could see every face in that room just, like, in mm. oxygen, leave the room. It was, like, the worst thing I could have possibly have said. And I remember for, you know, weeks after that, having to rationalize or defend my position when... You know, but there was a lot of anxiety in the fact that I wouldn't believe such a how how dare you not believe such a thing? Right. But the anxiety is worse than that, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, it's a very it's a deep anxiety, right? Um, sort of you know worrying about could this happen? Uh, a deep concern about the world that we live in, um, and you know a lot of fear about. Uh, you know, the people that we love and, and if you are identifying as a Christian and you feel and that that's sort of the way, you know, that's a possibility of what could happen to you, um, you know, leaving our family and the people we love. And I know there's difference of opinions within the sort of rapture, rapturists, I guess, I don't know, the futurists, I guess are often called in, in scholarship. But yeah, and I mean, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a very scary thought, right? Um, and, it, and it actually can cause, there's a, like the, there's a flip side to it, um, which I've seen in sort of some Christian sort of discourse is it's not just the anxiety, it's the sort of apathy that's, that can happen too. Yeah. Like, oh, let's not worry about policies about climate change or um, oh. let's not worry about 
these things that are happening. Like, like let's not worry about global geopolitical affairs. Yeah, ultimate justice is going to yeah, be... It's yeah, it's whatever. And so it doesn't really matter. It's going to get destroyed in the end anyway. So what does it matter? And so that sort of circles back to the people who are already feeling anxious. Yeah. And you're hearing those things and you're hearing, wow, my goodness, this, this, like, we human beings, we need to start acting on certain things. And you've got, you know, uh, you've got Christians saying, well, what's the point? There's no, and it, you know, devolves into this nihilistic sort of view of the world. And it, man, that's, that can be really anxiety inducing as well. Oh, yeah. If you're, if you're sort of, you know, trying to get, people to be motivated to recycle. I mean, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> it can, it can get to that point where there's people that are just like, like, what's the point? Right? Like, and that's, I mean, is that, is that the view of the world? Is that the view of creation? Is that? Well, well that's why I go back to Peter's uh, statement. Yeah. No one of the world will by how then should you live right. in a very present way. Yeah. It doesn't mean you just discard the, 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 you know, the leanings of the kingdom because who wants to live as, in in desperation of the present, right. looking to a future that we don't know when it's going to right. materialize. Right? That's crazy. You know, and that, so the interesting thing about rapture is it's it's a if it's a it's a theology that is is really established by looking at the Book of Revelation and making some assumptions that oh, there's there's this observation that some have made that the church seems to disappear from a revelation, yeah. right? And it, there's all this apocalyptic stuff. And so some people have just sort of make the assumption, okay, well, God has clearly, you know, beamed the beam me up. Yeah. Scotty thing, right? <laughs> beam up, ninja rapture comes, all that stuff, right? What's fascinating is there is an actual direct reference to sort of people disappearing. It's in, it's in Matthew, Right. Well, there's two people working in the field. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And what's so fascinating about that is the person who disappears is not what? the person who's the, the member the, of, the, of God's... Uh, it's uh, not one of God's people. I, I, yeah. yeah. So the, the one place where we can go, where we can sort of get this imagination sort of passage that sort of piques our imagination of somebody sort of disappearing is the person disappearing to go to judgment. Yeah. So it's really, I mean, you know, I think the the rapture theology has a really hard, it's an, a really hard thing to establish in Revelation because it's essentially an argument from silence. Yeah, yeah. Like, and secondly, when we actually go to some of these passages that we can sort of get this, you know, image in our mind, it's it's not the... It's not the, you know, to use a sort of anachronistic term from Matthew. It's not the Christian who's disappearing, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Or, and, you know, First Thessalonians, that's the other part. That yes, that's the very famous one where... Fa- yeah, yeah. Where it's, uh, uh, you know... The, right, meet the Lord in the air. Meet the, the Lord in the air, sound, the trumpet and all, sounds. And, and all that kind of stuff. Oh, man. It's like yeah. Paul is using these these metaphors to describe something. And I I've, again... I mean, sort of the rapture crowd pride themselves on being biblical literalists, right? Yeah. This is yeah. they're taking the Bible literally, and I think, and I think we've we've talked about this too, um, the secret rapture, where there's a trumpet, where sound, there's a trumpet sound, and the whole world can and the hear whole it. world like knows, it's just, yeah, it's that it, that Christ has returned, yeah, 
Yeah, and that's the blowing of the shofar, like in the Old Testament, yes, yes, and yeah, all, yeah, yeah. all that kind of stuff, right? And yeah, well, I was grieved a couple of weeks ago, and a very well-known preacher in the States, and they had a clip in one of the newsletters that the rapture and the second coming of Christ are two separate events. Right, yes, they're two separate events. Yeah, they're yeah. two separate events, and I remember watching it, and I just couldn't get through it. I was so grieved by mm-hmm. just... Yeah, and I actually respect this person. Is you know they're yeah they're you know I was just really saddened that but they can hold that position. Yeah, you know, of course. I've, I've said yeah. many times if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. it's not going to upset me. Like right. if the Lord does take us away, yeah. like am I going to argue with him? Mm-hmm. Like no, you know. Um, but I think there's very little biblical evidence yeah. for a rapture. When I was in seminary, um, I remember the professor giving me a project and said. Go, there's a hundred, here are a hundred um, reasons for a pre-millennial rapture and a thousand-year reign. It was like an eschatology based on dispensationalism and, mm-hmm. you know, the way it was popular in that day. And I remember thinking, a hundred, like, this is going to take me forever to get all, <laughs> all this stuff. And I remember, you know, sitting at my desk at home and go, okay, I better get into that. Like, I think it was two and a half, three hours, I was done. <laughs> and I was shocked. Yeah. And it's like, oh my goodness, like, every argument had all these assumptions and presumptions attached to it, yeah. and was in one way or another not fully... Um, they were doing something to the text mm-hmm. a little creatively. Right. That wasn't essentially there. And I remember walking away saying, I don't know about this premillennial rapture yeah. stuff. And from then it was like, yeah, very doubtful of it. Yeah, it it's you know, I've 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 gone through some of the literature too. It's not like it's not my expertise at all, but it does there's a lot of stuff being massaged, right? Yes. Like there's a lot of great like, word. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a really things seem to be pushed a little bit too much or sort of remove the context of certain passages. And, um, I mean, one of my favorites is, is the number of the beast. Yeah. Right. Six, six, six. I, like, I don't know how many of our listeners would even would know cause it's not something that's necessarily common knowledge, but that's, that is the, the number of Nero's Nero. name. Yeah. In sort of, I, I, I can't ever remember what it's called. Geo, geo. When you take uh, letters and they are so, they're, oh, they're related um, to geo, numbers. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, it'll come to me. Um, but, but when you, I mean, that, that passage, it says, let the one with wisdom count yes. the number of the beast. And yes. it's 666. And yeah. there are people who have known that for a while. That, that, that was a, that was a, that was a reference to the Emperor Nero, and there were rumors that Nero would had you know he had died, right? There was rumors that he would return. Return, yeah, yeah. And so there's a there's a great there's a great powerful image right there. Yeah. Or some Greek texts have six one six. Six one six. Because of the different spelling of yes. his name in Greek. In Greek, yes. And and of course, why change the number exactly. if it wasn't related to Nero and the exactly. first, you know, you know? Yes. so it's like, oh, come on. Yeah. So it tells you what the original, you know, people yep. 
saw it and recognized it right away. You know, one of the one of the powerful things, you know, in, in relation to the rapture, one of the powerful themes in Revelation that I think people miss, and, and Richard Bauckham's book on the theology of the book of Revelation, just beautiful exposition theologically of the book. But he brings this out really well that throughout the book of Revelation, the really uh, an important theme is the power of Christian witness. Mm-hmm. That's you know, the, the two witnesses, uh, the those around the throne room in heaven, and those that have been martyred, all of that kind of stuff. The power of Christian witness is a, is a, is a unifying theme in the book of Revelation. Now, if Christian witness isn't that important, why take the church out right. at probably the most significant time in history right. when God's about to judge the entire world? Right. Like, without Christian witness, without, you know, of course, the Spirit of God is going to be taken away, all of this kind of stuff. It's such a distortion of why the church exists in the first place. Right. Yeah, it, it really is, um, you know, when you, when you really push the futurist view, you, you miss the fact that the original readers of that were, were Christians. Yeah. Living in empire, that you know they were they were coming against the power of empire. They needed they needed to to know that they could persevere and that it would mean something, and that 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 Christ had defeated, you know, these powers which really relate to actual human powers as yeah. well as the spiritual yeah. dimension of the Bible. And you, it's a it's an excellent point, right? So. You know, if that's the intention of the book, to read it as if the church is is gone, it loses all of its 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 purpose to encourage the witness and the standing against the abuses of power and and everything that makes that book so rich. Yeah, know? and I think and I think the little trick that the rapturists do, and I think it's a bit of a trick is that because of the rapture, uh, Bibles are left behind, witnesses, and people remember, oh, yes. so this is serious, so all these people now come to faith, and they become the new right. army of God yes. going into the tribulation and all this kind of stuff. It just rings hollow with the overall you know, theme of the book of Revelation, that you know, this isn't a two-step you know, salvation process, and mm-hmm. the rapture ignites that. In fact... Um, just the witness of believers in a very serious time is consistent over that period of time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, that's but the anxiety is real yeah. for people. Yeah, yeah, it is. And um, you know, I, I'd be curious. It'd be curious to to kind of hear from some of our listeners about their experiences with with the book. I and mean, if you're listening on Spotify, I'll maybe put a, a question out there yeah. that you can answer and, and talk about it. Um, and it's another it's an, another very fascinating thing about uh, people's uh, church experiences too, because some people don't see this as something to make you know it doesn't make them anxious, right? Like, yeah. and so, I mean, I can I can listen to sort of dispensational theology, and it, it, there's a real it can be sort of hopeless, right? Like, there's a real there's a real pessimistic view of 
of the church, it, it, not even pessimistic, but a, um, you know, it can be confusing for me. But I, I will admit and I will acknowledge that there are people who, who don't see the rapture at, that way. And they, they might think of it as hopeful. And I, I want to be like respectful to people who hold different opinions than me. But, you know, at the same time, I think, it, I think it's, you know, the sort of the newness of it in the, the church history is sort of a red flag about this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it originated from a very, very um, radical church group in the United States that were, that were very, um, you know, they were, they were very extreme and they were, they really thought the end was coming and, and sort of, that's sort of been um, the ethos of some of the people who sort of held those views. Like they've made predictions. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, like, oh, it's going to happen in the eighties yeah. and, and, you know, and, and, you know, this group in the United States, they, they understood it to happen in the 19th century. And so that's, that could be a red flag against it too. Of course, there's the theological issues, there's the exegetical issues, um, there's the psychological issues, there's broader biblical theological issues <laughs> of creation, redemption, uh, you know, creation, fall, redemption, destruction? Uh, yeah. You know. Okay, new heavens, new earth. Is that is that not like heaven and earth coming together? Is that not the restoration of the earth, right? And, I mean, there's, there's, there's just too many problems for me. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, yeah. To hold to it. And uh, I mean, that doesn't mean if you're listening and you hold to it, I, there's people way smarter than me that, that disagree with me, right? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and, and like, I want to be clear again, right? If I'm wrong about yeah, this, yeah, yeah. I'm not, it's not going to break my heart, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, if we get called up in tribulation and mm-hmm. avoid all that, thank you very much. No, right. no. Yeah, That's yeah. That, that. My end goal is to be a Christian martyr. I don't think so. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's yeah. an expectation, but... Yeah. Um, but what about, are we living in the end times? Mm. Yeah, that's a good question too, right? Um, I mean, I, I think the end times is something that, that is when Jesus was raised from the dead by God, that was the, that was the, something new had happened, right? And, And that blows apart all of our understanding of history and cause and effect. And I think that, that end of the the restoration and the newness and the salvation and I think that is a that is a thing that is happening now right like there's a a good book called the end is the beginning yeah it is sort of the beginning point now is is sort of with that end in view um and I I just I avoid trying to make like harsh political geographic you know sort of predictions or try to force those things because people have tried that and they've, they haven't really been right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, trying to, Oh, this is the, this is when Jesus can return. These things are happening. And then those things happen and it doesn't happen. So I'm, I'm a little cautious about that, but as far as the end times now, um, I think, and again, um, this is just one way of reading it and it's, it's the idea of history being a linear cause and effect, one thing happening to the next thing, and how that is a really modern construction of history. Mm-hmm. And to see, you know, this linear fashion, the charts, 
right? Yeah, the yeah. charts that we all kind of not we we all, but a lot of us saw, grew up, and we saw those things. Um, might not be the best way uh, to think about eschatology, in in and instead think of it in terms of, um, you know, God raising Jesus from the dead, um, the Spirit of God working, um, the hope that we have, and 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 trying to think about eschatology in in more of that sense but it that's that's a complicated conversation i think yeah it is yeah i it's just that i've heard more people in recent times say as say things like it feels like mm-hmm. we're living in the end times yeah and certainly we're seeing the cycle of from a political standpoint more dictatorial edicts coming mm-hmm. like you know, I, I read something recently that things are being not done by us, but they're being done for us, mm-hmm. and that's not necessarily a good thing. Right. Uh, feeling that, you know, the just the tensions of the cultures that we live in and yeah. people becoming more polarized and conflict becoming more, and then the rise of anxieties and all this kind of stuff, irrespective of how good we have it right in a in a material sense yeah so yeah just a lot of things that sort of make people wonder right and i think that's i think that's in my thinking i think that's a a powerful way um a sorry a reason to when you approach the book of revelation when you sort of sort of disconnect to this sort of linear end times and see it more as a description of the present of that world. And you can see how that is true in different periods in history. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so when we, we can read revelation and we, we see the, right. The abuse of power, the controlling of people's lives, the, you know, the um, controlling of resources and the harming of people and the martyrdom of Christians. I mean, that's something that's happened at, in the past, the blasphemy against God and the right. worshiping of a beast that's right. counter to God, right. you know, and elevating that as a as a human reality. Yeah. Right. I mean, those, and there's the reason I think people have often in different points in histories felt like they're living in the end times is because, in some sense, they are right. In some sense, they are seeing the reality of revelation in the present world in which they live, and I think the message to the church. Um, you know, is to persevere through that and yeah. to and to keep our eyes on Jesus, who has defeated these forces at work for evil in in the world, and that and that gives us encouragement and it gives us hope and it increases our faith and um, you know and again, it's it's seeing those patterns happen in history and. And, you know, we might see it again in the future, too, right? Yeah, yeah. The Christian promise is the hope that's the gift that's given to us in the worst of times. Right. And Revelation reminds us of that. Mm-hmm. Where anything else other than faith in Christ is is not hope. Right. Um, in fact... It's more despair. Right. And Revelation is reminding us that despair is not the final chapter of the story. Right. Hope is. Mm-hmm. 
in Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, Amen. Amen. <laughs> yeah. I, I know we share a real love for the end of that book, right? Yeah. And the, the, the image of the vision of, of Christ in the kingdom and the, the, the heaven and earth and like sort of the fulfillment of, of, of that vision that happened in the Old Testament too. Right? Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I think it is a, I think it can be a hope filled book. Yeah. Well, we're going to try to present it that way. How's that? Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, let us know what you think about this episode. Uh, yeah. Again, this has been, this is our inaugural episode of season two of Theology Jam. I think it's interesting we talked about the end. So hopefully this isn't the, the end, end of our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully we can keep going. Uh, but yeah, please follow us on Facebook. I'm also in the process of creating an Instagram account, so you'll be able to find us uh, yeah. at Theology Jam on Instagram and and we've so, got some potential interesting yes, guests coming yes. up and more topics. Yeah, and, we want to keep those interviews yeah. going because they've been a real, they've been really eye-opening and challenging yeah. and good for us. So, but yeah, so thanks for thanks for checking us out, listening, following. Please share if you like us, and hopefully we can grow this thing in season two. 